Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Uh, But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Would you join me in a brief word of prayer? Father, thank you for the feast that we have coming to the feet of Jesus. Would you help us now to push out all of the things that would distract us and pull us away from his precious words? Would you help us to hear him and find the sole satisfying thing that we needed most? A relationship with our Lord, our Savior, and our God. Would you grant us this? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, You may have heard the phrase... Wedding dress, wedding stress. Uh, It is a a truism. (laughs) Sounds like someone might be in the process of finding out what that means. Uh, There's a reason why people use that phrase. Uh, For all the joy that comes with weddings, all the planning that goes into them, a lot of stress is found along the way. Uh, you, You know why. Uh, Weddings are gigantic parties where you have to have a curated guest list. Uh, You have to have just the right decorations and just the right venue and just the right elements of the service. And of course, just the right dress. And all that adds up to a lot of pressure. Pressure for everything to just be picture perfect. Uh, Which is why a study that came out just a few years ago Uh, discovered that it's not unusual for couples to wish they could opt out of the whole thing. Uh, 60% of couples that got recently married said that they seriously considered eloping to avoid that whole wedding dress, wedding stress phenomenon. Now, Precious and I received some really good advice when we were in the process of that uh, wedding pressure cooker. Uh, Someone told us, when you get to your wedding, just try and slow down. And in particular, remember... When you get to the reception, at some point you just have to stop and eat. Uh, You can spend all your time going from person to person in a frenzy of activity and miss out on even that basic thing of being able to eat your wedding dinner. Now there's many opportunities in life beyond weddings for us to fall victim to a whirlwind of anxious activity. Um, our family act- uh, calendars and our jobs uh, and, and even raising children. All of it adds up to stress, stress, and more stress, leaving us anxious and frustrated in the process. But that's not the way Jesus wants it to be. In fact, he has something far better for each of us this morning, a chance to leave the whirlwind of anxious activity and stop and eat to come to his feet and find what we needed all along, a feast of peace 
something satisfying for your soul in the person of Jesus himself. Uh, That's what we're going to see this morning in this story of two sisters, uh, two very different women showing us two very different reactions to Jesus with one message underneath it, that if Jesus is our portion, then we need to stop and eat at his feet. Uh, We'll see that following the example of these two women. Those will be the two points in our sermon this morning. Uh, First, we'll see Martha, who shows us an example of fretting service. Fretting service, Martha and fretting service. And second, we'll see Mary, who shows us an example of feasting on his words on feasting on his words. And in all of this, I hope you will hear this call from Jesus uh, to leave behind the fretting and anxiety and come and eat at his feet to find peace in his presence. Uh, Let's begin that first example, that of the woman named Martha. Now, Jesus and his disciples uh, are on the road towards somewhere. They're on this journey toward uh, Jerusalem. And along the way, Jesus has been teaching them what it means to truly follow him and to be a disciple. Uh, This week, that discipleship comes by a way of a positive and negative example, a stark contrast between two women. In verse 38, we're told that they entered a village, and as soon as they did, a woman named Martha welcomed them into her house. Uh, It's obvious that them coming to her house was her idea, and she had a big idea of what this gathering was going to be about. It was going to be a picture-perfect dinner party for Jesus, probably for his disciples, and certainly including her sister, Mary. Now, pretty quickly, you realize that Mary and Martha are very different from each other. Uh, You might try and use the categories of modern psychology, say one's a type A personality, the other's a type B. Uh, Maybe one's firstborn, one's secondborn. Certainly, Martha's a much more blunt and direct and driven of the two. That's for certain. Uh, But I think it'd be wrong to read too much into their personality types. And that doesn't seem to be what Jesus is most interested in. Uh, Jesus is more interested in their heart and what they think will satisfy them most. Uh, We see from the beginning that Mary finds herself sitting at the feet of Jesus. And we'll come back to what that means in just a moment. But by contrast, Martha is an absolute whirlwind of activity. She is in a frenzy, going from place to place, doing thing to thing. Uh, She has sky-high expectations of what this party will be like. She's pulled away by the serving required. Uh, If you've ever done any hosting in your house, you know the long list of things that need to happen. Uh, The floors need to be scrubbed. The counters need to be cleaned. The table needs to be set. The food needs to be cooked. And all of it has to be done in a certain order, in a certain time frame. Otherwise, everything goes off rails. Well, Martha seems to be the sort that knows exactly how to throw a big shindig. She was a hostess with the mostess. And as a result, she had these high expectations of how things were going to go. Only they didn't go the way that she had planned. 
And that results in a simmering brew of frustration. In verse 40, we're told, Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him, that is to Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her them to come help me. Uh, Maybe it started with some dirty looks. As Martha realized that there were not enough hands to go around to get the work done in the time allotted, she started to build resentment in her heart toward others, specifically toward her sibling, Mary. Just look at her sitting there all comfortable and relaxed. Well, I'm here stirring the pots and dishing out the dinner. Just who does she think she is? Doesn't she know how much work this takes? I mean, Jesus, he's, he deserves a good dinner, doesn't he? I wish I could give her a piece of my mind. Well, pretty soon that resentment gives way to full-on frustration and eventually to vented anger. Uh, she walks up to Jesus and she unloads on him. Uh, her comment is at best passive-aggressive. I think it's better to understand it as intentionally biting. Uh, She starts the conversation with an accusation to Jesus. Uh, She asks him, don't you know, uh, do uh, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Uh, The implication is Jesus ought to care more about what's happening in the kitchen. And he should be shamed for not being more proactive himself. Now that weren't bad enough. She follows it up by ordering Jesus around. She tells him, Jesus, tell her then to help me. Uh, Notice what's happened here. Uh, She started off with the best and I think the purest of intentions. She wanted to do a good thing, to serve Jesus. And now she has moved to demanding that Jesus serve her on her agenda and in her way to accomplish her goals. Uh, Now, Jesus, for his part, he knows Martha. He knows what's going on in her heart, and he knows what she needs most. He responds back to her so tenderly. Verse 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Uh, That's a term of endearment. Uh, You are anxious and troubled about many things. Uh, Jesus understands exactly how she got to the point where her frustration is boiling over. He knows her heart better than she does. But one thing is necessary. And this is the best news. Uh, Jesus knows Martha and he knows her frustrations. And he knows what she needs most. It's not to serve Jesus, but to receive from him. Uh, Martha gives us an example of the tendency that all Christians have, and some personality types admittedly have more so than others, uh, the temptation to lose sight of what comes first and what's most important, uh, to get so caught up in a whirlwind of activity that we give way into anxiety, to be a flurry of activity and frustration, and to miss the feast that's right in front of us, Jesus himself. Uh, Let me point out three ways that Martha did that, that each of us has the temptation to do ourselves. Uh, First, she gave in to sky-high, you might even say pie-in-the-sky expectations of perfection. Uh, She thought that Jesus was fit to be served, that's true. 
but she had a very particular way of thinking of how he had to be served. Everything had to be perfect, and when it wasn't, she flew off the handle. Uh, It's a quick recipe for frustration in your own heart to set your expectations so high that they are unrealistic, to insist on things being a certain way because it's your way, not leaving room for God to overrule or even for the considerations of what other needs might have on your plan. But brothers and sisters, none of us will ever attain perfection, not in ourselves and not with any of our plans. Only Jesus is perfect, which is why it's been well said that all of our plans need to be in pencil, only his are written in ink. Uh, That was the first problem that Martha had. Uh, The second one she had was serving up a steaming plate of judgment. Um, She looked down on the devotion of her sister Mary, thinking uh, that Mary surely couldn't care that much about Jesus because there she was sitting, receiving from him instead of being up with her actively serving. Now that was a mistaken notion. Uh, You uh, certainly can't read people's hearts. Only Jesus can do that. And none of us can assess the devotion of another the way only Jesus will one day. Uh, There's lots of different ways people show their devotion and the commitment to Jesus. Uh, Sometimes it's in serving in a particular type of ministry. Uh, Sometimes it's for a season serving most particularly in their homes. Uh, Christians, unfortunately, very often have this quick trigger when it comes to heaping up condemnation on others who choose to serve Jesus and his kingdom slightly differently than they do. Uh, Maybe you find yourself pulled toward a particular ministry or cause. That's wonderful. Praise God. Do it under the glory of God with the help of Jesus. But don't assume that just because not every Christian is as excited as you are about this, that they are somehow less devoted to him or that they're not serving him in some other way. Uh, Instead, maybe stop and ask the question, how might they be serving Jesus that you don't know about? Here's one idea. Ask them. Ask somebody, hey, how is it that you serve Jesus in your life? I think you would be pleasantly surprised and encouraged to hear all the different roles that there are in the kingdom of God. Uh, Martha didn't have room in her heart for being devoted to Jesus in any way but serving And as a result, she looked down on her sister. Uh, There's a third way. A third way that she um, falls short here that we do as well. And that is she was attempting to serve on an empty soul. See, Jesus redirected her not by saying, hey, serving is wrong. What you really need to do is spend all your time in prayer and contemplation. That would be wrong and it would contradict other things Jesus said. Uh, A big part of the Christian life is serving Jesus. But Jesus also knows that there must be a priority in the Christian's life. That to be a disciple, you have to be more concerned with receiving from Jesus even than you are with serving him. Uh, It's an easy trap to fall into. Uh, You become so occupied with the actions and the pressures of serving Jesus that you lose sight of this basic thing of being a disciple. Your need to receive from him daily, 
again and again. And yet it's the fastest way to lead you into that whirlwind of action and anxiety. It's the surest way to lead you into disappointment and frustration. Just stop receiving from Jesus and spend all your time serving him. And pretty soon you'll find yourself in a bad place spiritually. I saw this happen in the life of someone that I looked up to a lot. Uh, He was someone that was fully given to devoting his life to serving Jesus. Uh, In particular, his uh, area in the kingdom was global missions. And he had a big, big important role. Uh, He was a coordinating missions efforts across multiple continents. Hundreds of missionaries came to him and his organization for help and support. He was good at what he did. Really, really good. Clearly gifted by God for that role. But his life was always going and going and serving and serving. And then one day, he showed up in a church service I was a part of. And he told the church, church, I have to repent. I have been doing lots of things and neglecting the most important thing. I did this to myself. I've been serving Jesus on an empty tank for far too long. I haven't left time to seek his face or sit at his feet or have unhurried time just enjoying him. Uh, Brothers and sisters, all of us can do this to ourselves. Uh, No matter how high you think about your service within the kingdom of God or how little you think about it. If you try and serve on an empty soul long enough, sooner or later you'll end up in this same place. Anxious, frustrated, and boiling over, even accusing God because you've missed the most important thing in your busyness. Our brothers and sisters, we need to pay careful attention to this tendency. It's uh, claimed far too many of us. What's the solution to it? How do we avoid it? Well, thankfully, there is a second example in our passage this morning that shows us the way forward. Uh, The example of Mary and feasting on his words. Feasting on his words. Uh, Mary, undoubtedly, was a more passive personality than her sister. Uh, But Mary also understood that just because you have a passive personality does not mean that you don't actively do things. But her actions put her in a very different place than Martha. In verse 39, we're told, she found her way right to Jesus' feet. She was listening to his teaching. Uh, Back in the ancient world, if you wanted to learn from a teacher or a rabbi, uh, the way people would describe that is that you would sit at their feet. That was your way of sitting under their teaching, uh, becoming their disciple, allowing them to mentor and shape you. Now, this is very unusual for a woman to sit at the feet of a rabbi uh, back 2,000 years ago in Jewish culture. Uh, It was looked down on uh, by most rabbis to teach women in this way, certainly to welcome them into your inner circle of disciples. Uh, But as we'll see often in Luke's Luke's gospel, Jesus is different. He's different than the rabbis in his day and even different than the sensibilities of the wider world. Uh, Jesus holds up women as being worthy of being his disciples. And Luke will go out of his way to show women as examples for us of what it means to follow Jesus in a healthy and whole way. Now, in Mary's case, she is sitting there, not passively, but actively feeding on the words of Jesus. 
each and every word that he serves up. She is taking into her very soul and she is finding every morsel to be satisfying. Uh, You can see that in the way that Jesus describes what she's doing in verse 42 when he's responding to Martha. Uh, But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. If uh, you look through your Old Testament at that phrase portion, uh, it's often used for uh, the blessing and inheritance that God is to his people. For God to be your portion is to say that the best thing that I can have is my relationship with God himself. Uh, But even further than that, Jesus has a little bit of a word play there because the word in Greek for portion can also be used for the word for a dinner. So while Martha is in a frenzy trying to whip up the food, Mary is at Jesus' feet having a true feast, a feast on his words. Now, it gets even better for Mary She's chosen the good portion. That is the best thing. And that will not be taken from her. Uh, Not only has she found something that is soul satisfying, it will remain satisfying for her soul forever. Mary shows us the path of discipleship and the path to true joy. Uh, It's not with first thinking that we have to start by serving Jesus. It begins by stopping and eating, by coming to his feet for the feast that we are to find in him. Now, she was feeding on the very words of Jesus, the words coming out of his mouth. Admittedly, we live at a time where we don't have Jesus physically here with us, but we have no less ability to feed on his words. We do it through the words that he gave to us through his Holy Spirit and through the disciples that wrote down those words in the Bible, which means Mary is a wonderful example to each of us of how we are supposed to leave behind our anxious activity and our frustrations and our frenzy and come to find peace, Uh, peace at the feet of Jesus from his very word. Uh, My dear brothers and sisters, I I doubt there are many of you in this room that don't know that as a Christian, you need to read the Bible. Uh, Most of you get that. Uh, But I do think that very often we feel the duty of reading the Bible and and even the potential to expand our knowledge, almost like an academic pursuit. And we do so at the expense of the satisfaction that we are made to find, uh, even the way we are meant to be filled on the inside. When we feed on the words of Jesus, we actually fill ourselves up with him. He, after all, is the one who is called the word. And when we feed on his words, like Mary, we are drawing close to Jesus. Uh, Something special happens as we open our Bibles or sit in a Bible study or listen to a sermon like this one. Uh, We're not just taking in information and filing it away to pass some sort of spiritual test. No, this is the way in God's goodness that we are to find what we need most of all in our hearts and our souls. For us to draw close to Jesus, to have him provide us with fresh grace a fresh sense of his presence with us. Uh, 
and even to strengthen our faith to serve him. First and foremost, what we need is not a higher, uh, a higher commitment to serving him or another training session on how to use our spiritual gifts. Firstly, what we need is time at the feet of Jesus ourselves. Now, certainly I hope you find the sermons that I preach to be helpful and edifying and spiritually nourishing. Uh, I hope you realize that Sunday to Sunday, hearing one sermon is not enough to have a, a satisfactory diet for a Christian though. I'm so glad that many of you make it a point to go to small groups that teach the Bible and study it together as a part of their gathering every few weeks. Uh, I'm glad that for others of you that go to, small, to uh, Bible studies where you get more time to get in the word together and feed on the words of Jesus in a group. But realize that each and every one of us, even as we need to eat every day, we need to feed on the words of Jesus daily. He is our daily bread. Now that can be done lots of different ways. Uh, I know some of you are in the habit of using apps on your phone to remind you to have your spiritual time with Jesus each morning, praying and reading the word, that's good. Uh, you can get Bible reading plans. If you want help with any of that, please come ask. Uh, but in all of this, the point is not to get too tied to one specific strategy. The point is to know you need Jesus and you need him every day. So make time for him. And whatever you do, don't get this out of order. Don't try and serve him before you receive from him. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, uh, one of the more common misunderstandings people have about Christianity is that it is a religion about a lot of rules to follow and a lot of things to do. Uh, people you shouldn't hang out with, uh, places you shouldn't go, things you should not be party with. Now, it is true, the Bible does have much to say about how we live morally and the way that we are to order our lives. Uh, but it's not fundamentally a rule book to help us build moral virtue. Now, the Bible instead is much more of a story of how God reveals what we need most and how he allows us to come and find all that we've needed in him. Uh, the basic story of the Bible is that God, the God who made us is the one who we need, that without him, our, our souls will never be satisfied. Uh, they'll always go from frustration to anxiety until one day it ends in the worst of all places, an endless place of frustration and anxiety. But that, that same God is also a God of love and mercy, which is why he made a way for us to come and know him and find all we need through his son, Jesus. Uh, Jesus was the one who God sent his son from heaven to, to come and bring us close to himself. And he did that by dealing with our big obstacle between us and God. The Bible tells us that's our sins. Uh, that's what Jesus dying on the cross is all about. It's not about him showing us an example to follow. It's Jesus accomplishing what none of us ever could paying the penalty for our sins in his perfect life. Uh, when Jesus died, he paid that penalty in full. And when he came back to life three days later, he guaranteed that we could be forgiven and even welcomed into a loving relationship with God. Uh, there's only one thing that God requires of us, that we would repent of our sins and turn in faith to him through Jesus Christ.
You see, that means that the Christian life is not a life of doing and serving and improving. Now, fundamentally, that's not what it's about. It's about receiving. Uh, receiving this man, Jesus, and receiving eternal joy in a relationship with him forever. Now, if you've never done that or you have questions about it uh, after the service, look for anyone with a name tag. They would love to explain more about what it means to know God through Jesus Christ and help you uh, take some steps toward him. Uh, one suggestion, even if you don't want to do that, the best place to start is by reading the words Jesus left about himself in the Bible. Uh, if you've never taken the time to read the Bible for yourself, maybe this is a Sunday where you start a new project. Not just because you want to know more about an ancient book, because maybe, just maybe, Jesus is the feast for your soul that you've been craving your whole life. Maybe you haven't known it until this moment. Now, all, this, all of us this morning who are Christians, uh, let's remember the, what the words of Jesus teach us in the gospel. And the way this frees us from this whirlwind of activity and anxiety. Uh, take any particular anxiety that may weigh upon your heart. Uh, have you thought about how the word of God gives you the resources you need to trust God through it and even come to the feet of Jesus and find peace? Uh, let's say you have anxiety about having enough. Uh, how you're going to put a roof over your kids' heads, how you're going to put food on the table, how you'll have things to wear. Uh, Jesus has promised, if you seek first him and his kingdom, that all these things will be added to you. Uh, the gospel tells us that Jesus has all the resources of heaven. And he's promised you'll never go without. Maybe you won't have as much as you'd like, but according to Jesus, you'll have what you need. Would you trust him in that? Or maybe your anxieties of being accepted. Uh, you're not sure if you'll have enough friends. Or, or maybe it's a romantic relationship you so badly want. Or, or maybe it's someone who's rejected you and you feel this fear in your heart that leads to anxiety that someone is going to push you away. But the gospel tells you that because you've been welcomed through the blood of Jesus, you will never be sent away from God. You've been accepted in the relationship that matters most. And you will spend eternity enjoying his loving embrace. Uh, or maybe your fear is, uh, maybe you're fearful and anxious about what tomorrow will bring. Uh, if you're at the later stages of life, maybe you're starting to worry and be anxious about what sort of world you'll leave for your kids and your grandkids and the generations that come after you. Uh, but in the gospel, you know that this world is heading somewhere to an end that Jesus himself will bring. And in the end, King Jesus will extend his rule and reign over all of it. Would you trust his plan? Uh, brothers and sisters, no matter what anxiety we might have or what frustrations our heart might be feeling, would, would you realize that the gospel provides you with the feast that your soul needs, to, to leave that all behind and come to the feet of Jesus, to find that a part of your portion is his peace in your heart. It turned out the Christian life isn't as complicated as sometimes we make it to be. Uh, it's not meant to be a whirlwind of activity and anxiety. It's meant to be oh so simple. As if Jesus is telling us, would you just stop and eat 
at my feet. Would you come and feast on the things that I've provided for you? What you've needed from the beginning, it was Jesus. In just a moment, we're gonna sing a song. The song's been stuck in my head all week. I hope it'll be stuck in your head this week. The song that captures this so well, it's called Give Me Jesus. Listen to a few of the words from it. In the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus, give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Give me Jesus. Would you pray with me? Jesus, right here in this moment, there are some of us in this room that even being told to not be anxious is producing another level of frustration and anxiety. So easily our minds are consumed with our list of things to do and things that we have left undone and even worries over what might be done to us. Uh, Jesus, in this moment, would you help us even just for a brief moment uh, to, to put aside our frustrations and our frenzied actions and find our way to your feet. Uh, would you grant us a measure of peace that carries us through this whole week? Uh, would you remind us that you are the feast for our souls? And then when we come to you, we find true rest and peace. Uh, Jesus, would you help us to serve out of hearts that have been filled by what we have in you? And even now, as we turn our attention to singing a worship song to you, Jesus, would it be not as a duty or obligation done from an empty soul, but out of an, an overflow of a soul that has been fully satisfied in you? Jesus, now, give us yourself, we pray. In your mighty name, amen.